0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. Hello. And today we're continuing our 1999 bracket. But if this is the first one you've listened to, we have a little preview pod about the 99 bracket that explains all that we're doing about with it and the rules and everything. So you can go listen to that. But Carolyn, what are the four movies we're talking about today
1: so today we have my best fiend versus the limey and magnolia versus the boondock saints so it was (laughs) um it was a long week i will say that much
0: yeah i would um i would kind of wish that maybe some of these movies were not against each other and maybe spread out against other movies uh
1: yeah i would say um we're not even in
0: the bracket at all
1: there has not been a single week that i have um not enjoyed any of the movies until now, so there's a first time for everything.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, which one do you want to start with, then?
1: Honestly, none of them, but um, I guess since we're here, we'll start with... Uh, oh, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, no, not that one. Ooh, not that one. Oh, definitely not that one. Um, <laughs> let's start with The Boondock Saints.
0: Oh, and then Magnolia. Absolutely. Okay. Do you have the synopsis ready for...
1: You know that I do.
0: Is moving? Okay.
1: So, The Boondock Saints, directed by Troy Duffy, starring Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Norman Reedus. Uh, the synopsis is two Irish Catholic brothers become vigilantes and wipe out Boston's criminal underworld in the name of God. It's pretty accurate.
0: That's, that's, yeah. Also, I please, please, uh, Irish accent when you talk about Sean Patrick Flannery.
1: Yeah, and uh, a really bad Irish accent when you talk about Norman Reedus. <laughs> yeah, Norman Reedus
0: didn't talk much. They realized that he didn't speak much because his Irish accent is bad.
1: But there was that one scene where the two brothers were talking. And they're supposed to be brothers, so their accents are supposed to be similar, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Sean Patrick Flannery was all like, oh, I'm Sean Patrick Flannery. And Norman Reedus was like, and I'm Norman Reedus. And I'm like, what? Oh, God. Like, your accent is so bad.
0: <laughs> and it wasn't even, hes it, like, that's not even the worst part of this movie by far.
1: Yeah, it's uh, – it's. Um... so I didn't know anything about it when I started watching it. Um,
0: Same. And I, was
1: watching it and I was like, what is this? Why are they praying? This is weird. Um, mm-hmm. And then, honestly, I did start liking it way better partway through. I think I just like leaned in because what else are you supposed to do, right?
0: Was it when Willem Dafoe was leaning in as well? <laughs>
1: so Lil- Willem Dafoe
0: is this cop. <laughs>
1: Who is absolutely (laughs) off his rocker, really loves his job. He was fun to watch, I will say, though there were scenes where I'm like, Mm Oh, you're Willem Defoeing all over this movie. And like
0: He really Willem Defoeed.
1: He does, and I think he's made me uncomfortable ever since I saw The Spider-Man, where he was the Green Lantern. I knew, so. I,
0: knew I knew that was going to be your reference for that, and I was like, there's definitely different performances that he's creepier in, but you fucking never But that's nerd. the
1: first, and I was young, so it stuck with me, you know?
0: It, he is creepy in that movie. I will give you that. He is.
1: He's incredibly creepy. Like, There's no reason that a kid's movie villain needs to be that creepy.
0: Or just be Willem Dafoe.
1: Yeah, but he, oh, my favorite Willem Dafoe scene that I also hated for the same reason that I loved it was where he's like conducting the. the oh my God. Shootout and I'm like, stop, you're so embarrassing. <laughs> like,
0: he went for it though.
1: He did because I think he knows no other way.
0: He always commits. I'll, I'll give him that. And even though the conducting scenes are, it doesn't work at all. No. Uh, but he is he is going for it. And he mm-hmm. is trying his hardest. I felt like he was the only person that really understood what movie they were in. Yeah. Uh, because he is so campy and he's chewing the scenery in like every scene. And he's like being ridiculous.
1: Actually, he, he's what I liked the best because... Yeah, he was ridiculous. He leaned into it. Everyone else, it felt like they were taking it seriously, and I was like, "Don't do that."
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it's this movie is I okay. So I'd heard about this movie a little bit, but I didn't know much. I knew it was like a cult classic, Mm -hmm. and that the the writer director thought like it was supposed to be like this next like new master filmmaker or something and he obviously isn't you can tell that in this movie but apparently that guy is also like was extremely cocky and confident um mm-hmm. about everything which is pretty obvious in this when you watch this movie is that you're like the guy who's making this thinks he's making the best thing he's ever, met, yeah, like, he ever made yeah he thinks he's a genius yeah and that's all i really knew and i did not realize this movie was Although in hindsight, consider it has saints in the title, I should have figured it was going to be religious. (laughs) But I had no idea that was what this was about.
1: No. And like, you know who didn't work at all for me? For the same reasons that Willem Dafoe did work for me, I guess, is Rocco. He was the worst. Like, he was over the top, but not even in a good way. Like, you know, he can't act kind of way. And also read the room, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. Willem Dafoe played... A an extremely intelligent and competent and nutso cop in a room full of people who are like, oh, uh, bro, you're really weird. Whereas Rocco was paired up with the uh, Mac Manus brothers and he was nutso and they didn't seem to notice and it just didn't work for me at all.
0: Yeah, Rocco is the worst part of this movie by like a mile. Like he is...
1: Well, because he's like a wimp, but he's also... You know, let's go kill everybody and like I just he didn't work at all for me, man.
0: Yeah, he's also like an extremely problematic man. Mm-hmm. Uh is that he is definitely abusive to mm-hmm. his partner who I mean also sucks, but he yep. it, and he take but he takes advantage of that passed out um sex worker. Yep. And the brothers are like, What are you doing?
1: And then he's like embarrassed about it because like in a in a way that a little boy is caught looking at like a porno magazine. Yeah, and it's like that's yeah. not what that's not what this is, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the movie definitely wants you to sympathize with Rocco, and I don't. That, he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but obviously the director they don't the movie doesn't think so because they're supposed to be like Rocco's just a good guy. Sure, he might sexually assault people and has dropped slurs all the time, but he's not that bad. And it's like no. That's well, yeah, because not...
1: they they make him like kind of pathetic and and sympathetic and stuff. But like he also just wants to go kill everyone for the sake of it. Like he's excited about it. He's like a he's like a puppy. Whereas like the brothers, at least they have some sort of code and like they're never unhinged, you know?
0: No, and they like they have strict rules of like who and they won't will and won't kill. Mm-hmm. And like they mention it even before um, the big shootouts and everything that it's like it's like we can of can't do this forever. We can't. Mm-hmm. We either have to like stop or leave this city. Like we don't mm-hmm. really have a choice. And Rocco's like, "We'll just murder everybody. We'll just we'll do." And it's just like fucking this guy. I thought what I thought they were going to is that the uh, the saints were going to have to kill Rocco because they were Rocco was just wanting to like kill kill everybody, kill everybody, and they were going to be like, "Well, you have to go because you're a bad person." I thought, mm-hmm. especially when he like was holding a gun to their priest's head. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, so they're going to kill Rocco? But no, I guess they just love him for some reason, even though their characters don't don't match in any way.
1: Mm-hmm. It didn't work for me. The brothers, weirdly enough, did work for me at points, and then they mm-hmm. started praying, and I was like, nah. But um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just yeah. I like the idea that they were just like two guys who accidentally killed a bunch of mafia thugs, and then they're like, Well, I guess we can do this. So- yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it, yes. And I loved them falling out of the ceiling and like kind of stumbling their way through the first stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The brothers did work for me too. I thought, even though Norman Reedus can't speak other than being Norman Reedus, mm-hmm. uh, I actually thought Sean Patrick Flannery was good. Mm hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, this guy, I hadn't seen him before or haven't seen him since or don't remember. But I was like, this guy does have something like mm-hmm. his character sucks, but I am like interested in it or like I sympathize with him. So it's obviously and I'm pretty sure it's the actors doing that. It's not the script.
1: No, that's the thing that's unfortunate about this movie is I do actually like the premise like these guys accidentally kill some people and then they and they even turn themselves in and everything like that. But then
0: white privilege
1: yeah and they get like better and better at it that's the thing they were almost like superhumanly good at it which kind of didn't match with them bumbling their way through the first one but sure yeah and i like that they're they have this code and i like that willem dafoe is like trying to catch them and is obsessed with catching them but starts to think that maybe they're doing the right thing i think all of that is really interesting i think the way they did it was bad
0: (laughs) yes yeah and we had like yeah this this movie is bad and it has lots of problematic stuff in it but again like what you said the premise is interesting it could mm-hmm. you could make a like now with maybe a competent writer director
1: mm-hmm.
0: it could be a cool movie
1: i have good news for you james there uh, uh there is a boondock saints 2
0: i know this yes it's called
1: all saints day
0: <laughs> yeah it's the same, same guy though yeah. yeah yeah and it's probably uh, those two guys looking real old.
1: It's in two thousand nine, so uh, yeah, they're ten years older.
0: Is that before the Walking Dead? Then,
1: ooh, good question.
0: Or like around the same time Norman Reedus was on the Walking Dead.
1: Walking Dead was two thousand ten, so right before.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean that it's still like ten years later. I bet both those guys just look old, like old guys. Yeah. And I bet that movie's bad.
1: Uh, it's got a six point three on IMDb. Yeah. And this one has a 7.8. What? Now we know how good it was. IMDb ratings don't make sense. It has a 44 on Metascore. So
0: Yeah, IMDb rate. Well, the people in general who I imagine rate stuff on IMDb and the internet uh, probably skew white and male. Yeah. And would maybe be the people who think that I'm just going to throw out a movie. The Joker uh, is good. Yeah. And that... That that's why if you look at the IMDB top two hundred and fifty movies, it's just like uh, movies that are liked by a certain subset of the population, and you're like, oh yeah, uh huh. There's lots of Nolan movies on this list for some reason.
1: An update for you, it's twenty four on Metascore, the second one.
0: Ooh, ooh, that's and, probably uh,
1: they do just look like old guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the only old guy action hero that works is Keanu mm-hmm. because he is. It's because he's perfect.
1: Well, and he just doesn't seem to age, that guy.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe if the people who made the John Wick franchise decided to make a Boondock Saints movie, it would be good then, because then I would not have to be like, this movie's politics are bad.
1: Yeah, James, we have to watch this. It's uh, they're living a quiet life in Ireland with their father, but then oh. they learn that their beloved priest has been killed by mob forces, and they go back to Boston to bring justice to those responsible.
0: Yeah. See, that sounds cool, but then I'm going to watch it, and it's just going to be full it's of like be slurs. Wait, yeah. is Willem in it again? There's no, no. way he's in it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> I was yeah, I was watching this movie and then that there's li- liberal use of uh, a gay slur specifically targeted to men mm-hmm. in this movie, and even Willem Dafoe's dropping it, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, yeah. Willem, this doesn't match with who you are currently, and yeah. definitely not going to blame him because you know you just got to take the role, and it's like over 20 years ago, but. That uh rubbed me the wrong way. And then also I like Willem Dafoe's performance, but his character is fucking sucks so yep. much is that he also plays he's he plays a gay cop, which yep. again, that premise is interesting, and in that I was like when this movie showed him in bed with another man, I was like, What?
1: Yeah, and then this he shames movie? the other man.
0: And then he shames the other man for wanting to cuddle because mm-hmm. you can't even if you sleep with The only way people who sleep with the people of the same gender are cool is if they're a man's man still. Yep. And treat their partners like property. Yep. And I was like, oh, boy. And then are also uh, abusive and.
1: Well, and it was a throwaway thing, too. It's not like, oh, he's a self-hating gay cop. That's interesting. It was Mm -hmm. not that.
0: (laughs) Yes. It was meant to play it as jokes that "Ah, it's funny. And it's like, no, it wasn't funny at the time. And it's still it's not, not funny. funny now yeah so this movie is bad but also <laughs> better than i expected
1: see i thought it would be fun it wasn't that
0: it is fun when he throws the toilet on the guy yeah and yes because that pull part is funny
1: yeah this movie has its moments we will say that but all in all yeah it's not great
0: do you think this director thought he was the next Quentin Tarantino?
1: 100%. <laughs>
0: okay, good. Good. I got that in the movie, too. I was like, this man definitely thinks he's making a Reservoir Dogs.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. He's like, oh, I'm going to put in all this gratuitous violence, and it's edgy, and it will pay off. And I'm like, bro. like, No.
0: <laughs> no. Nah, nah. You got you think you've hit the, the jackpot because you got Willem Dafoe to agree to it and Billy Connolly to agree to it. But mm-hmm. this is not it. Also- the blatant racism that is played yeah. is like, like supposed to be comic relief. And it was very it's horrible. Uh, like, I think
1: he thought it was like gritty. It wasn't, it was, it was offensive.
0: Yeah. I don't really feel like we need to talk about boondock saints, uh, any longer. Ever other again. than that, Yes. Ever again. We don't. Yeah. Wonder which one's going to go through, <laughs> but as along with a couple of these movies, maybe they have an abuser, uh, a real life abuser in the movie, which makes it complicated mm-hmm. uh, because the boondock saints has Ron Jeremy, who is now in jail. Yeah. Even though he's a small part, it is, it, uh, it's, it's uh, still gross. But do you want to talk about uh, the longest movie we've ever seen? Magnolia?
1: Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So Magnolia directed by Ta- Paul. Oh my God. Paul, Paul Thomas. Thomas Anderson starring literally every famous person in 1999. It's just true. It's called An Epic Mosaic of Interrelated Characters in a Search of Love, forget- Forgiveness, and Meaning in the San Fernando Valley. Um, this movie is three hours and eight minutes long.
0: Yeah. As it's... I was
1: watching it, I think it was getting longer. Like, I was looking at the timer, and I was like, I swear to God, it's counting up. Like,
0: mm-hmm. good Lord. I There's a good movie in this movie.
1: Which one? Because there's eight movies in this movie.
0: I know, but if you cut out two storylines, I mm-hmm. think it would, and it was like a, Two, maybe two and a half hour movie. I think this movie would be significantly better.
1: I will say there was a point, I think it was about 25 minutes in, that I looked at the time and was like, We have not, like, so basically, this is like they said, it's a mosaic of characters. So they show you some, then you go to different storylines, then you go back to the sum. In the first 25 minutes of the movie, I don't think they repeated a character once.
0: Oh, I think of the first 30 to 40.
1: And it was it was too much because at the beginning of the movie, you're trying to get to know the characters. You're trying to get to understand the point of their story. And these weren't 10-minute scenes. It's not like they spent 10 minutes on four different storylines and then you went back. There's like – I swear to God, there's like 12 storylines in this movie. Yeah, there's too many. And I was, I was just trying to keep track of them all because I was like, first off, you don't know how they're interconnected yet, so that's already hard to keep track of them all. But that's fine. That can work. But yeah, it took way too long to actually – go back to them that I'd forgotten about some of the storylines by the time we went back there
0: yeah the ones that I think uh the ones that I think I don't that, that should be kept are uh the Tom Cruise one obviously the the Tom Tom Cruise his dad and Philip Seymour Hoffman maybe make Julianne Moore do something else um yeah,
1: she didn't do a whole lot.
0: <laughs> she's great, and she's great in this movie, but yeah. her—I did not give a fuck about her story. No. And then uh, also keep the John C. Riley, the daughter, and uh, her fu- her parents' story, and get rid of William H. Macy, and cut down on the kid part mm-hmm. of the dad that story. Like that, the the game show scene is great, like really good, yeah. but I. There's just so much going on there. And I don't know if you need the kid stuff in that. Other than, like, I know what this movie's trying to say, and the kid stuff is important to it. But it could, I also think you can say that without the kid stuff.
1: Well, the thing is, this movie's pacing was really, really strange in that, like, the game show scene was long. I think it really worked. I think it was great. But then you have, like, Julianne Moore's scenes, which are, like, 30 seconds each. And you're ah, like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah,
0: yeah. That's all she's doing.
1: Yeah, and like, and so the pacing was really, really strange because of that, because they sat with certain scenes for too long, in my opinion, and other scenes were really short that I was like, why do you have that? That's the kind of thing that you edit out. Yes. But I, uh, I don't know. Okay, so I guess let's talk about the storylines. Tom Cruise, I 100% believe is a culty motivational speaker, 100%.
0: Also, it was so weird that how spot on that guy is now. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, this is like literally what we're dealing with currently. These fucking men's right activists and Proud Boys. And I was like, this is in 99. Yep. I think Tom, I was like Tom Cruise maybe is taking some parts from his own life.
1: Yeah, I think that is Tom Cruise perhaps.
0: (laughs) Um, But it's, he's good. And I haven't seen Tom Cruise do a performance like that in forever.
1: And I thought... What I liked at the beginning, I hated watching him do that because I was like, this is this is making me so uncomfortable, and it's so over the top, but, like, you're right, So over the top in a real way, which is gross. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of like net so off the off the stage. But I loved the arc of his character because he he is definitely that same guy, but it's really interesting when he starts to go and meet his father and that sort of thing,
0: and what they reveal about it, and like i like I don't think I've ever seen Tom Cruise act that well. mainly because all i see him in now are action movies where he gets to like smile and be charming yeah and be like the tom cruise he wants you to think and then they have this and he's kind of playing like a weak and pathetic man who's pretending not to be
1: well with tom cruise they always show like of this long ass magnolia tom cruise story they always show the first half they always show the motivational speaker the -hmm. charming guy who's hitting on people maybe he's kind of gross whatever they never show the second half
0: yeah where you understand why he ended up where he is, and mm-hmm. the fact that he's, like, that movie does a really good job skewering that character, mm-hmm. and exposing him for who he is, mm-hmm. uh, but also still making you sympathetic to him in some way, when, like, you're like, oh, when you find, when you find out what happened in his life, you're like, oh, man, like, no wonder, mm-hmm. that's huge trauma has happened to him. Yeah. Like, one, that's, I, I actively hate his character um yeah but once it gets to the point where he is like his world's turned upside down and then up there i that was the storyline i was most invested in mm-hmm. um also because i think philip Seymour hoffman is really fucking good as the nurse
1: well because you're sitting there trying to figure out his motivations the whole time because at points like when he's ordering all the porno magazine i was like bro ew yeah i liked i liked that that's the thing you're right i liked that whole storyline i liked the dad i liked the nurse Julianne Moore could have, I liked. There was something there that I wanted to like, mm-hmm. but they didn't give her enough to do. It was like her huge mental health crisis was a side point.
0: Yeah, it's because she's like an incredible actress that yeah. is literally. Oh, the only reason that works is because she's so good. If it was yeah. not somebody on her level, it would be like, why? Why is this here? Like, mm-hmm. get this out of this movie.
1: Yeah, and I liked I liked all of those interweaving stories, but um. Yeah, there are a few other things that that didn't really didn't need to be there.
0: Did you like the John C. Riley story?
1: Um yes and no. I think it slowed everything down. Um mm-hmm. like I liked what he was trying to do, but I really think it slowed everything down. Like the the movie's building tension, Julianne Moore's crying in a car, Tom Cruise is, you know, preaching hate on a stage. Um, It was all like building and then John C. Reilly's like, I'm going to have a coffee with this girl. You know, (laughs) like it was it felt like it was a different movie. I definitely liked what it was going for because it's like this cop who just hates seeing crime and and everything like that. I I liked that. And I liked that. I liked the story with like the daughter and her dad and that sort of thing. But it felt honestly like it. it, The pacing didn't match. It felt like it was a different movie.
0: Yeah. And the pacing would change in the stories just randomly. It Mm -hmm. felt like is like as when during the game show is happening and like that whole, like once the uh, the host faints or passes out or whatever, mm-hmm. um, then the editing and the like the pace just seems to like pick up and it's very hectic mm-hmm. uh, because both characters are like uh, freaking out essentially. But then it would leave that and it would go to like this dinner date or coffee yeah. date and it would slow everything down. And then it would go to like Tom Cruise or whatever and it would kind of pick up again. And yeah. or William H Macy in the bar, which I just did not care about in any way. No. And then it would go back to the game show and be fast again, and then it would slow down and fast, and it was just like, "What are we? You're speeding up and slowing me down. Like, what are we doing?"
1: Well, that's the thing. When it was building suspense, it was great, but there were three different climaxes in a row. Yes. And it was bizarre, but like it was great because everyone was losing it. But there's too many characters, and I had to show every single one of them losing it. So it's like the game show guy is getting ready. He's drinking. He's nervous. Julianne Moore. I forget what she was doing, but she was Julianne Mooring. Yeah. And, um, like everything is kind of building and then something slowed it down. And then, yeah, this happened like three times in a row in the middle of the movie. And I was like, but you're building it so good and the rain is pouring and I'm actually getting so stressed out, but you can't do this to me three times in a row for like an hour. <laughs> like,
0: Yeah. You just, na- it's just naturally like lose interest or you'll be like, uh, it's not gonna, what are we doing? Like you just, it's so hard to keep that level of tension for so long, especially mm-hmm. with fifty nine characters that you're supposed to care about
1: well and see the thing is like
0: i don't even know these people's names
1: no me neither and like the first point where they were building tension that was good because it wasn't like a climax and i remember specifically in this one this is when um, julianne moore was doing something with her her meds i don't know if she was like
0: was well, she was trying to buy trying to get them at yeah the pharmacy
1: yeah and philip seymour hoffman is ordering the playboy magazines on uh, on the phone and stuff And uh, Tom Cruise is just like coming off stage and everything like that. And then that's when the rainstorm, I think it starts. And like, you know, it's building and you're like, what is this going towards? Cause like ordering playboys on the phone, there's nothing significant about that, but Mm -hmm. it felt like this was a big moment. Right. So I really Mm -hmm. liked moments like that where I was like, these stories, something's happening. We don't know what, but it's big for them all. And then later on they did something that was good as well. That was like, oh God, shit's hitting the fan for everyone. But they would, I don't know, they would mess it up in between.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, not this, and like Paul Thomas Anderson is like a literal genius. Like mm-hmm. the other movies of his I've seen, which all have been after this movie, have all been incredible and definitely more confident than this one. This one feels like a very much like an early filmmaker like swinging for something, and it's got a fair amount of misses uh, as hits, but it still kind of works overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is like way way too long and i do think all of the performances are good again okay? yeah. everybody is really good there are people who are better than others but what is this what do you think this movie's trying to say
1: that there's a story in everyone's life really like everyone is the way that they are for a reason you know and like the impact yeah. that like, people have on each other is significant
0: yeah and then that dads are bad
1: but not all the dads were bad because the game show dad was trying to be nice
0: no he was bad but the reveal at the end of that movie is that he's like a he's like a a, like an abusive pedophile and you're like uh uh, we're just throwing that in at the end what are we doing here and that the other dad was like the dad who ended up tom cruise's dad who ends up dying is somehow not the worst dad
1: yeah but okay at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. was that story connected to anything else Oh Stanley, the kid, right?
0: Yeah, the game show kid. Yeah, yeah. He's so only connected because he's in the game show. That's his entire existence is to show that his, the parents abuse their children.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, Patton Oswalt is like the cop or whatever, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. That weird Patton Oswalt is the guy who gets like thro- t- stuck on the tree.
1: Yeah, so the beginning of the movie, it was, it just felt like it wasn't connected to the rest of the movie for me, <laughs> like like it was in a different time period.
0: Yeah, I think that was entirely just to like set tone.
1: It set a confusing tone.
0: It did. I it was supposed to be like random shit happens. Yeah, you don't know like the weird coincidences that will happen. Like this man is going to jump off a building and he wouldn't have died because there's a net there, but then his parents, he loads the shotgun so they kill each other and she misses and ended up shooting him as he falls. And I was like, what?
1: It literally had nothing to do with the rest of the movie.
0: No, it was entirely supposed to be like this is gonna be weird and lots of weird coincidences. And I'm like, it's a movie. We kind of already know there's gonna be lots of coincidences.
1: So speaking of, you know, it's a movie. Obviously, oh. the weather was a character. Did you think they were too on the nose with that by giving the weather reports? Like, we get it. It's raining. We know. <laughs> like- yes,
0: yes. You don't. You can mention it once because you you gave us it. That that part was why I think it like a filmmaker still kind of figuring everything out yeah because there'd be parts of the movie where they say like what what you mentioned with like the playboy mags and everything like that where they just mention it and
1: -hmm. then you
0: find out right Mm -hmm. and we followed that all the time you didn't need to keep telling us where why he found him yeah right like we understand and with the weather thing it was like just do it once mention it or you can have it on in like the background in the radio slightly And they then, put it on
1: the screen, like. Yeah, but
0: then trust your audience.
1: <laughs> it was like cloudy with a chance of rain, and we're like, oh, I guess something maybe bad might happen. Like, it's, we it, know is it gonna be
0: meatballs? What is gonna fall?
1: Yeah, it just was a bit weird.
0: Yeah, that yeah, it's it's messy. Um, and that
1: song montage that didn't at all.
0: Yes, that was very bad. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. Also, the song he picked, I was like, what are we doing? This is aged terribly.
1: Like, Tom Cruise would never sing that song as his character.
0: No, he wouldn't. That yeah, I agree. It it that that guy would not do that. No. He would cry a lot, but he would not do that. You
1: wouldn't sing that song. No. So I would say I liked I liked I definitely liked elements of this movie. I can definitely see why it has such a good rating, because there is some amazing things in here and the performances, Mm -hmm. you're right, they're great. But there are other things that made me be like, Magnolia. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. God damn it.
1: (laughs) I had to have one
0: uh yes I think that is a perfect uh summarization of, of everything like there's so much in this movie that we can't even talk about it at all because
1: because there's too many damn characters
0: yeah yeah the only thing I I will say is that my favorite character is Philip Seymour Hoffman's nurse and he's so good in this little role mm-hmm. and I just I was like maybe maybe like I, I he could be a bigger part in this movie. Like you seem to have something here with him, mm-hmm. and I also maybe because they surprised me is that we'd already talked. We've talked about Tom Cruise; his performance is surprising and good. But John C. Riley was also really good and not. Was.
1: I believed him as that character,
0: not being himself mm-hmm. uh, at all. Maybe that's mainly because we know him that he's done a lot of like dumb comedies with mm-hmm. like Will Ferrell, uh, but he has. I know he's a classically trained like theater actor. Mm-hmm. but yeah, I like, do we even I, I we both know Magnolia's going through even though we don't like it that much? Yeah, because the other movie we is. We don't
1: dislike it that much either, and that's the difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a huh?
1: Yeah. maybe really? if we watch it again, Ugh. we'll feel better about it. I mean, I, I don't want to waste nine hours of my life on it again, but no, okay, we're being unfair to it. This movie can be good i am i'm actually kind of looking forward not because of the time but i am looking forward to watching it again <laughs> like, so i can see if there's something that i've been missing or now knowing how the characters connect um maybe there will be something more there and also like i may be zoned out 20 times in the movie i wouldn't know because it was still playing when i zoned back in so
0: yeah yeah i agree i i think with a movie that is this long is that Generally, for me, I have to find that I have to like fall into the movie, and yeah. then like I'm completely absorbed, and I don't realize how much time is passing. Yeah. But with the techniques that are used, that it it's jarring, that it removes me from mm-hmm. that, and it just can't. And maybe now that I know everything's going, that I will that will happen. I don't know. I doubt it because I don't think I'm ever gonna like the William H Macy stuff. But yeah. And when the maybe the I I am interested to see how I'll react to the game show guy now to see if there's more there. Yeah. Now that we know.
1: Well cuz I liked him up until I didn't like him.
0: <laughs> you're like, "Oh, this guy is like the worst human." And then you're yeah. like, "But is it there the whole time or like are there yeah. I'm it in... yeah. I'm interested. I think it is a fine movie, but mm-hmm. kind of Have you seen have you seen Boogie Nights? No. Have you seen any other PTA films?
1: Uh probably. I tried to look at his IMDb, but it is way too long. <laughs> uh
0: did you click the right uh Paul Anderson?
1: Yes, but he's directed like 47 things.
0: No, he's only directed like 13.
1: Mm, Really? He's directed a lot
0: of shorts and like music videos.
1: Maybe that's what it is. Oh, yeah, that is what it is. So, yeah, he did Heart 8. That was his first one.
0: There Will Be Blood.
1: Yep. Punch Drunk Love. Mm -hmm. The Master. Mm -hmm. Inherent Vice. Oh, I think I saw that one.
0: And um, what was the one that just came out? It's about dresses with... uh...
1: Oh, uh, Phantom Dead. Yeah.
0: I mean, all of his movies, I think really the ones that I've seen since Magnolia, I've been like, wow, that's an incredible film. Or Mm -hmm. this is one of the best movies of the year, easily. And then I was like, ooh, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Magnolia. I loved Boogie Nights. This is like the one I haven't seen. And I watched it and I was like, huh? This is not at all. This feels like the same man. But Mm -hmm. we somehow ended up with maybe the worst Paul Thomas Anderson movie, like how we Mm -hmm. maybe ended up with the worst Spike Lee movie. (laughs) It's... Yeah. Uh, which one of these? Uh... you want <laughs> I feel like we should get my best fiend out of the way. Sure. Because Vern... I really like Werner Herzog. And I think he is a good documentary filmmaker and just a filmmaker in general and actor. But this movie is complicated because of stuff that has been revealed about Klaus Kinski after he died that has happened a decade after this film at least, I think it was 2013, maybe, is that Klaus Kinski, his children are not mentioned in this movie at all. But he has, I believe, three kids and his eldest daughter has come out and accused, I don't know how to proper phrasing for that, but accused Klaus of serial abuse uh, when Mm -hmm. she was a young girl and convinced her that all parents did it to their all dads did that to her children so it wasn't something strange but but also don't mention it to people like classic mm-hmm. classic that behavior so that i as watching this movie i was like i googled klaus kinski because i wanted i knew he's obviously not alive in the film but they don't mention when he dies or how he dies or anything
1: yeah at, they mention it point. briefly at the end and say and kind of allude to the fact that he maybe committed suicide he oh, died yeah by suicide, Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the first stuff that came up when I searched him, which definitely changes
1: see, I didn't know any of this,
0: yeah, he is removing that from this movie. Klaus still fucking sucks like he's a terrible piece of shit already, but mm-hmm. when you add that into it, it really and like i i we can't assume anything about what if Werner knew or not, I assume not. Because mm-hmm. why would he? He doesn't seem like the type of person that would make a movie like this. And that's maybe, maybe we just don't know Werner that well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that type of person doesn't deserve this documentary about them, really. Is no, well, because this
1: documentary was trying to show him in a nicer light, sort of. I'll read the synopsis, yeah, and then we'll hop into it. So, my best fiend, um, or my Leibster fiend, um. <laughs> You like that, um, <laughs> was directed by Werner Herzog. And it, the synopsis is in the 1950s, an adolescent Werner Herzog was transfixed by a film performance of the young Klaus Kinski. Years later, they would share an apartment where, in an unabated 48 hour fit of rage, Kinski completely destroyed the bathroom. From this chaos, a violent love hate, profoundly creative relationship sorry, creative partnership was born. In this personal documentary, Herzog traces the often violent ups and downs of their relationship, revisiting the various locations of their films and talking to the people they worked with.
0: So now that we've, or that I, yeah, we brought up the Klaus Kinski stuff, which Mm -hmm. I think it has to be. Do you think um, Werner Herzog likes Klaus Kinski?
1: I think he does because I think he wouldn't make this movie otherwise. And it's clear in the way that he talks to him and talks about him that he sees Kinsky as a challenge, and like there's that uh, that bit. I think it's from um, was it Telluride Sundance, one of those. Yeah, where he's there and he he's talking to Kinsky and kind of being like, "Yeah, I'm the only one who can like rein him in. Like I can harness his powers and whatever." Like he he seems fascinated by this guy in a way that's like it, it's his muse, right? Mm-hmm. In a way that actually kind of made me weirdly uncomfortable because it's like this guy kinski why would you work with him like he's
0: you're also allowing people. this behavior to go on
1: yes he's injuring people and yeah. he is he threw a monkey um
0: <laughs> like yeah in the movie
1: yeah and he's so erratic erizog is just sitting there being fascinated with this guy in a way that yeah it made me actually quite uncomfortable i think he does like kinski i think he sees him as like his muse and this untamable beast in this way that Really describes everything that is the biggest problem with film because Mm -hmm. he even says, at a point, like, yeah, Kinski was being like not helping with the production and he was against the whole thing, and blah blah blah. And then one day he kind of like bought into it a little bit more. And Herzog literally says, the only thing that matters is what you see on the screen, and that's the biggest problem with film, and that's why bad behavior in actors is permitted because it's like oh well he's a he's a dick he treated everyone terribly he literally um tried to break open an extra's head with a sword and you know shot someone through a tent or whatever um, but it's fine because he gave a good performance like
0: what yep that's yeah you nailed it there uh i also think you did a really good job describing that werner sees it as a challenge because mm-hmm. with the movies that he filmed with him you and werner herzog's movies he likes filming with a challenge. Like they literally pulled that boat up that mountain. Yep. And I mean, why would that? I didn't think about it. Why would he not pick a man who is a challenge to work with? Because that's obviously what he thrives on is that he wants this. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And then he somehow makes it work.
1: And I kind of feel like as a director, he maybe is a director that people don't like working for. And I like, I, I don't know if that's true, but like he's, yeah, he's making people pull a boat up a mountain. Like, He could be the same difficult kind of person that Kinski is, but in a toned down, not erratic way, just like a demanding way.
0: Yeah, I would. The only part, and granted, he picks who he shows in this movie. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely. But the other actors that he showed with, they seem to like really like Werner Herzog, right?
1: Yeah, but the actors would never know that. I've worked on productions. The actors never know when the director's being a dick because the director always is like patting their back and telling them they're the best, and then turns around and like asks something unreasonable of the crew. Right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. But that's why it's like oh, he's also picking to who's in his movie. So of course mm-hmm. they're gonna like him yep. uh, because why would he show somebody who's like I fucking hate you? I'm not gonna be in your movie. Like that wouldn't happen. So it, it's it's complicated. Mm-hmm. I just like I get... I give you a pass on the first movie you worked with Klaus Kinski, which was an insane shoot anyway. Like it's understand, understandable. There's tension there because you're like literally in a fucking jungle Mm -hmm. and all this with a bunch of extras who you probably can't communicate with. Mm -hmm. And then you find out Klaus Kinski is like this out of control, crazy person and abusive and literally trying to murder people.
1: I would forgive that. But he knew, like, even the stuff on the stage at the beginning and like the fact that they lived together and the dude, like literally a 48 hour fit of rage. Kinski just destroyed the bathroom. Like, he knew.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If that was the extent of their relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like it ends after uh, Ogier, Wrath of God, or however you say it. Then you're like, oh, okay. He grew up with this guy. was like, well, maybe he's better. Turns out he isn't. Then you never work with him again because that's what you do with these people. You don't let them work.
1: Instead, because he made four more movies.
0: And allowed this and act like act, seemed to, like, actively encourage his blow-ups because then yeah. he would be able to work with him, but he would be abusing somebody else on his on his crew.
1: Mm-hmm. Which he acknowledges, too, like... Yeah,
0: yeah, but it's just, like, not how it's supposed to be. That's, like, not... No, like, you can't mm-hmm. do that. That's You're a terrible boss, yep. and you're allowing abuse to happen in front of everybody. Yeah. And you're giving this guy a career because all the despite that Klaus Kinsey is like literal shit, he Mm -hmm. does give committed good performances.
1: Oh, he makes a great Dracula. So freaking creepy.
0: Yeah. But he is playing characters that are also abusive. Right. So it's like, how much is he lying? It's like the Kevin Spacey thing where it's like, everybody thought Kevin Spacey was a good actor because he'd always play like against type creepy men. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you find out he's actually just a creepy guy. And you're like, so he's just playing himself. Like, what Mm -hmm. are we, what are we doing here?
1: That's, kind of terrifying about this guy and I, I, I didn't know about the abuse but um, that's what I found terrifying even watching this movie is that he is so erratic and unhinged but then he plays these like quiet timid performances mm-hmm. and the fact that he can turn it on like that is scary
0: yes. and
1: it actually now that you have mentioned the, the abuse and the like don't tell anyone kind of thing like all the women in this movie say that he was so sweet and kind and gen- generous and genuine with them yeah And that's really creepy because that's not like – that's him putting it on in a way that makes them be like, no, no, he's not as bad as everyone says. He's not like that. And it sounds like that's exactly what he was doing in his real life too and that's that's creepy.
0: Yeah. So I Googled um, right before they talk about his um, movie when the – I'm forgetting the uh, actress's name. But right before her scene where she tells that story of how he was so kind Mm -hmm. and like – giving to her and like helped her get home and was like very generous with his time Mm -hmm. with her but and then i i read the abuse like the just googled them read the abuse stuff and then that scene happened and i was like oh okay i know who this man is like that is classic abuser behavior right there yep is that and i think it's mentioned that he only generally screams and yells at other men
1: well, that even if it wasn't mentioned, that was very clear because like the female co-stars were like, he was the nicest, and he was so happy mm-hmm. for me. But like, one of them won an award over him. If that were a man, he wouldn't have been like, I only wanted you to get home safe, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it it's like I know who Klaus Kinski is entirely. Like it's, mm-hmm. I frankly don't think this movie should exist even before the the stuff that came out after it's his death. Putting
1: him on a pedestal, and it shouldn't because. Yeah, I, di- I knew nothing about um, anything that came out after his death, but uh, yeah, like I said, having, having uh, dipped my toe into the, um, the film industry, it's, it's not – this behavior is not okay. and <laughs> They shouldn't make documentaries about the tortured genius that is an, ab- an abusive person.
0: No, because if you're, a to- if you're an abusive asshole, it doesn't matter how good your art is, you're still failed.
1: Mm-hmm. it just reaffirms uh, for me that i would never want to work with a so-called genius
0: yeah i mean it's a similar thing to uh like stanley kubrick right like he is mm-hmm. held up as a genius and he has made lots of very important and very recognized films but he also literally abused an actress on set to get a performance he wanted out of her which means the movie's bad yep that's that's straight up the answer like that's and klaus Kinski does this and werner herzog encourages an excessive behavior those movies are bad even if they're even if people at, at the time said they were great they're they're terrible like you that is behavior is you just can't it needs to go like it can't and mm-hmm. that yeah i'm getting mad because it's like you're making this movie to be like oh this man is so great but he's not he's like actively the worst
1: yeah it's it's literally erzog patting himself on the back for like taming the beast i guess <laughs> like
0: yeah he's like i could handle this man why could nobody else and it's like my guy
1: yeah, he wasn't handling the man like no. at all. It's so funny. Emma came in.
0: Oh, my, no. My roommate
1: came in partway through this movie, to, and she handed me a coffee. And she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, she could tell from my face that I was displeased. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm watching a um, uh, 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 Werner Herzog film, and Emma also went to film school, so she knows. And she goes, oh, he's a weird dude. And I was like. Emma, he's not even the weirdest person in this movie. <laughs> like,
0: It makes him seem positively normal.
1: Yes. And she goes, oh, and then leaves his so. home.
0: Yeah. And before this and before I knew all this, I really liked Werner Herzog as like a character uh, in real life. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that guy is weird. And he makes these really cool documentaries. And he has an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seems to really care about film. Uh, and now that I've seen this, it kind of casts that all in a different light, and I'm like, It makes oh. me
1: like him less, yeah.
0: And I've always, I had always wanted to watch like Fitz Caraldo and Ogier, Wrath of God because I've heard, I heard they were great and like achievements in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, I'm never gonna watch those movies. Like it's, yeah. and even though like just looking at structure and form, this movie succeeds. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter yeah Frankly. yeah that's the thing as
1: a documentary it's a it's a well created documentary, but uh i I mean, I guess we have to keep in mind this was made in ninety nine that forgives nothing, but it was made in a different time,
0: yeah, I mean that's why it's like it you can't we can't really talk about the stuff that came out after his death in the two thousands because nobody knew right yeah. other than the people affected that's all we can
1: well in a story of a of a tortured genius. Who yells occasionally, but actually has a heart of gold, which is what this movie pitched him as. Mm -hmm. Those were stories that people wanted to hear. Um, Now we see those stories and we go, "Oh, maybe look a little bit more behind the curtain, there, buddy." But uh, but yeah, it was ninety nine.
0: Yeah, it was accepted male behavior. Yep. Right, like that's there's countless examples of men acting like this in all professions, and Mm -hmm. they're it's accepted, but uh, women can't do the same. Or, Mm. I mean, it's also always white men acting like this. Yes. Specifically, like other, it's white men are allowed to do this. Yeah. Because.
1: No one else is given the opportunity to do the same. They shouldn't take the opportunity if presented with it either, but.
0: (laughs) No, nobody should do this. But like if other, like if Klaus Kinski was was a woman or was Mm -hmm. a person of color, he would not, he would be known as an asshole and his behavior, he would not work as much as he did. Right, and mm-hmm. be like, you don't want to work with that guy, but since he is the way, he, the, he, since he is who he is, it's allowed. It's, I don't need to mention the examples of the of other people because, frankly, they don't deserve to be named. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I don't know. I, yeah, we should just move on to the Limey, which is probably gonna go through, but yep. even though I don't think it's on form as good as a movie, but it is frankly not about this shit <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I, we will acknowledge my best fiend is a better movie than the one that we're about to discuss, it's just problematic
0: it so, made me angry
1: it it made me angry too, and it made me really uncomfortable um so but yes as yeah. a movie, it was great
0: <laughs> yeah as and like Werner Herzog knows how to make a really good documentary yes, and my perception of him now is that he seems to be with his documentaries he seems to be like a very kind caring individual and this is not this is not what it's like are you
1: that's the thing he's so insightful and he tells the untold stories and he is in touch with nature and with people and, and but this is a movie about his friend and everyone's vision is
0: clouded yep Um. yeah and yeah so the limey is a Steven Soderbergh film
1: that it is which surprised me actually so the limey <laughs> um, starring Terrence Stamp Directed by... Oh, and also Peter Fonda. uh, Directed by Steven Soderbergh. An extremely volatile and dangerous Englishman goes to Los Angeles to find the man he considers responsible for his daughter's death. Nice and simple.
0: Mm -hmm. This movie is just essentially a love letter to noir films.
1: Yeah, it it is. Even the way that it's edited, um, kind of not in linear storytelling, um, which threw me a little bit at the beginning, but then I kind of leaned into it later on once you start to piece together the different plot lines. Yeah. Yeah. what was weird, though, is they, yes, they were doing the nonlinear storytelling, but they would often have the guy telling the same story in like five different locations and stuff. I'm like, you don't need the same line four times. We we get it. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, yeah. They, you know? He did, like, a, he did that a lot. Yes, he did that a lot.
1: It was a bit weird. It was a bit weird that what I did like is not Terrence Stamp. <laughs> I'll be honest. Not her. Not him. Um, I liked Louise Guzman. He, yeah,
0: because he's good in everything, though.
1: He is, but he's a classic case of uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Poor yes, guy. He is. He was also in uh, Magnolia.
0: He was very small part, but yeah. he always has he has a very happy face all the time. You're like, just let this man smile. He just wants to smile.
1: Yeah, exactly. But they always <laughs> cast him as like some thug.
0: Yeah.
1: But um, I I loved him in it. I thought he was sweet. I thought he his character was actually really interesting too. Um, like lots of layers there, and I liked. I think it worked for this movie because this movie was all about unpacking the layers of the daughter, of the relationship, that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That said, God, there were people I really didn't like in this movie. And them being on like, <laughs> it made me not won't like it. You know, yeah. like yeah. the guy that Terrence Stamp is after is disgusting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's supposed to be. But also he was so disgusting. that I was like, can you give him less screen time? I really don't like him.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, we don't need to see this creep No. And- we know that he's a creep, and then he probably was involved with the daughter's death.
1: And like this movie, I literally wrote down why is it edited this way because I, I get why you're right. It's a you know a love letter to to noir, but also at points I was like, bro, simmer down. And it felt it felt kind of low budget to me at points, to be honest, and not in a in a good way, in a bad way.
0: Yeah, I would agree. It really felt like they were running out of money at certain points and they had only you could only shoot this once so you just got to go with it even if it doesn't entirely work
1: but also why did they spend their money the way they did because they didn't shoot it once they shot each line five times
0: yeah uh (laughs) i mean maybe they just repeated it
1: this is true
0: he cut it out and he was like i'm just gonna put this in five times and the person only said it once who knows we don't know
1: it felt like very stiff like at the beginning, it felt really, really stiff, like some sort of like experimental theater almost. Like,
0: is that because Terrence Stamp is just stiff?
1: He's a bad actor. I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> God, he he like he seemed like someone who was trying to be serious, you know. I'd like, I like I I didn't buy him at all. Like later on, maybe I stopped caring. But he, I think he loosened up later on. But at the beginning, I was like, yeah, it felt really like experimentally theater kind of thing. Where it's like, okay, now say this line. Now say this line. You're a disembodied mm-hmm. voice coming from backstage. Like, it was weird, man.
0: Yeah, I will say that Terrence Stamp is, You'll everybody will recognize him because he's looked like what he looks like in this movie for like 45 years, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think all the movies I've seen him in, in this century, he always is like phoning it in. And mm-hmm. like it's totally just for the paycheck. And then I see this movie and I'm like, oh, he is trying to act, but he's just but not. He should
1: stop. Try. he's just
0: not that good at it or because i'm right in that he is from a clockwork orange right
1: honestly he's one of those faces that i don't know what he's from
0: i i'm gonna look this up i should have looked this up before but i know he got he got famous he was a, he's obviously been acting forever and i do think he is he is trying in this movie and when he's not talking and being tough and like physically imposing or mm-hmm. like staring off into space because you know stuff that's happened to him. It, I do think he's good in that because he's not speaking. <laughs> um, but the moment he has to say the dialogue, I'm just like, oh, this isn't working.
1: Based on my Google searches, Terrence Stamp and Malcolm McDowell have the same face.
0: Oh, did I confuse them? I was worried about my myself doing that.
1: I think it is Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange, though. Oh, apparently, no. he plays a guy called Terence on Entourage, so it's it's a, a welcome confusion.
0: They also have the same hairline.
1: Yeah. And the same eyes, but um, he, Terrence Stamp, I don't know, like, for someone who is so wooden in this movie, like, he's trying, and I I almost wish he wasn't, because he's trying too hard, he, it's hard, because he's the lead of the movie, he is the whole movie, I think that's why I enjoyed um, Louise so much, because it gave you something else to to look at, and, like, I liked their relationship, I thought it was cute, but, God, Louise is a way better actor,
0: Hmm. he is he, he doesn't get the credit for it
1: really. no because he, he's a character guy which i don't think he should be i think he's really talented but um yeah i think i think that terrence stamp's acting ability is not strong enough to carry this movie in the way that the movie needs it to to work
0: yeah i agree it's it that's the flaw of this movie is that i think everything else is forgivable or would work if you mm-hmm. had a stronger lead performance and since the lead performance is weak mm-hmm. it makes the rest of the movie not work frankly
1: i was a bit confused too because it's like at a point i was like god i wish he was more charming or something because he's not charming and then i'm like okay well old mobster guy he could be scary because that's that's often the thing they lean into but like i didn't find him that scary either because he's like pretty old and
0: pretty rickety already
1: (laughs) yeah and it's not like he's like stern always like the fact that he has this like weird friendship with the drama teacher
0: her best friend
1: sure but the drama teacher and uh and louise and stuff like he he clearly has like a soft spot in there i would almost prefer he be scary mobster man or charming mobster man or something but like he's just old dad going to shoot a dude like (laughs)
0: Yeah. And this character should be charming because he's playing a cockney gangster, which yeah. has been shown hundreds of times in entertainment. And a lot of them are like charming. And you're like, oh, man, this guy is Frank. He's terrible, but he's he's charming. Right. He's like having they're having fun all the time. And they can also be intimidating because it's like underlaying It's like the, it's like the it's just right under the surface. It's like right there. You can see it, even though they're being nice. Like I know this movie is not at all related to this movie, but have you seen the Legend movie uh, or Legend with uh, Tom Hardy playing a Cockney gangster? No, and he he's also he's also not like in his Mm -hmm. sixties when he's making the movie, so he's not looking like an old guy when he's trying to fight. But that is the whole. It's like he's a Cockney gangster, and how they're portrayed is like they're supposed to be fun. They're having lots like laughs with their friends and like just kind of being ridiculous but then like right under the the surface is this like physical threat like this guy's dangerous we all know it
1: what we're saying is give us the tropes please come on yes
0: yes and or like get an actor who can portray that because i think that that's there in the movie for the right actor
1: Mm -hmm. well i think the problem is the shit got beat out of him at the beginning and so like like when he was there being all scary and domineering and then the shit got beat out of him i was like well okay and then he goes and shoots them and i'm like okay great but like clearly we've already seen you're not a good fighter (laughs) like
0: yeah you're past your prime which like there's interesting there about an old man old gangster trying to find out what happened to his daughter and he's like not physically capable of like being what he was anymore
1: but they didn't explore that
0: no they didn't they were like just kidding he's just gonna shoot them and i was like oh so why did he why did we see him get his ass beat then mm-hmm. like if he went into that if that scene started with him going in there and then like him letting them I feel like he let them punch him to start with yeah and but then I'm like oh he's letting him and then he's gonna like beat them all
1: which I would have been fine with
0: or he's just like no and I was like oh so he's bad like he's past his prime but he's also now we're just resorting to gun violence than that he doesn't use really ever again
1: well the thing is i feel like yeah I, i'm all one for like bucking the stereotypes and the tropes and stuff but if you're already going to make a noir movie that leans into all of those things then you gotta fully lean into it otherwise it, it won't work it, and it ends up being this disjointed kind of project
0: yeah it it's yeah it just it all over the place it's like it makes it messy and mm-hmm.
1: the one thing that i liked was at the end other than
0: luis guzman
1: other than luis guzman was at the end um when it kind of comes full circle and the reason that the creepy guy killed the daughter was because she threatened to call the cops which they've explained in the movie already as like a touching previous story that um that she always did that to her dad as a way to like get him to stay basically I didn't see that coming. Did you did you see that one coming at all? That
0: No, I didn't think that would be the reason. I thought it would be because she
1: found out something or something.
0: Yeah, found out something that she wasn't supposed to know and then he didn't even ask her. Like I he was mean. just like, "Oh, he assumed." But then That is really sad, right? Cuz that and that part works in the movie cuz you're like, "Oh, man." Like Yeah,
1: and if... that's why I liked it so much because like yeah, I thought that part really worked because the whole movie this old dude is reminiscing about his daughter and blah blah blah. So that just felt like a, just another story. Yeah. Um, a sweet story when it was told. But then you find out that that's the reason she died and it's like, oh, God, so it's kind of not the dad's fault, but kind of the dad's fault.
0: It is It is kind of the dad's fault and it's also like that got like her partner, that creepy man, like didn't know her. Yeah. Right, that she thought this guy knew her and he didn't and he was like, because he's so up his own ass the whole time. Yep. And then you find out that she was just angry and threatening Oh, she threatened her dad and it's it's really sad and you're like oh it's a gut it's kind of it's a gut punch because you're like oh this poor woman yeah who was not going to call the cops on you and you're too dumb to realize it and then you just found a a new young lady afterwards yeah like the next one whatever
1: yeah see that's the thing all of this worked for me it was terrence stamp that didn't work for me
0: yeah if it yeah yeah if terrence stamp was better or if there was a better actor, I think this movie would be really good. And Mm -hmm. what if Luis Guzman was in the Terrence Stamp role? (laughs) I would watch I know the entire movie would have to change, like obviously, but
1: nope, not at all.
0: No, it's just Luis Guzman being a Cockney accent the whole time. Yeah. I don't know if he can do that. That might (laughs) be a stretch. Yeah. Also the guy's just trying to like not smile. Because yeah. he's trying, trying to be serious, but he's just got a smiley face. <laughs> I mean, I love, I also love Luis Guzman, but yeah. he, uh, this, I think this was one of the few movies I've seen of him where he's not just being cast for what he normally is cast like.
1: Which is nice. And like, that's what I liked is that he his character actually did have layers and that like he had been to prison, but also he really liked to act and like he was a person. He felt like a real person.
0: He did. And yeah. The people who didn't feel like, the, the person who didn't feel like a real person was Terrence Stamp, really.
1: Yeah, because even the did. slimy, gross guy felt like a real person, a terrible person who you hate. But he felt like a real person.
0: Wait, you're telling me there's slimy, gross men that are high up in music business?
1: I mean, like, we did just speak about My Best Fiend. There is slimy men around.
0: Oh, that's, like, literally slimy?
1: <laughs> Shut
0: up. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was like, who are these men are you meeting that are, like, <laughs> just goopy? Just like... <laughs> I was like, you, no wonder you, you, you had bad experiences on the set. They're, like, they're all so clammy all the time.
1: Yeah, this movie shouldn't be the limey. It should be the slimy.
0: Oh, God
1: damn it! You didn't expect that one to come, did
0: you? Oh! <laughs> okay, so the limey's going through. Uh... Mm-hmm i'm editing that out that's not gonna get in there (laughs) i can't that was that was one of the worst ones you've ever done (laughs) you've turned it back on on to me why did you do that to me it's because i care no you don't it's because it's because you're you're uh no that i'm not gonna say that because you're not like that at all (laughs) you're um you're like tom cruise
1: a men's rights activist
0: Yeah, if I know anything (laughs) about Carolyn Dunk, it's that she's a man's rights activist.
1: That's me. That's why I felt so connected to him.
0: (laughs) It wasn't because he likes to walk around in underwear?
1: No, definitely not. No, but In front uh, of their
0: perspective, people they're trying to seduce. He's just like groin thrusting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and when I fall in love, I'll just hop up and down on a couch and terrify everyone with the deadness in my eyes, you know?
0: Yes, but then you'll be the star of the Mission Impossible franchise and everyone will forgive you. This is true. And you get to uh, you'll get to show off your old fifty year old muscles.
1: Ew. So, James, next week we have
0: oh. the,
1: the talented Mr. Ripley against I've
0: Eyes Wide Shut. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Um, the Straight Story versus But I'm a Cheerleader.
0: Yeah, so we have uh, a Stanley Kubrick movie mm-hmm. is last one that was com- that he completed uh, against a. I don't really know how to explain The Talented Mr. Ripley other than it has one of my favorite lines in the history of film is in this movie, and I'm so excited for you to hear it.
1: What uh, is it?
0: Have you you seen The Talented Mr. Ripley? No. Okay, so Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, Mm -hmm. and and it's Matt Damon and Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow, I believe. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman looks at Matt Damon's character, and he's like, hey, dummy, how's the beeping? Oh, God. <laughs> and, oh, I love it so much. It's so good. And then uh, The Straight Story is a David Lynch film, mm-hmm. and, but I'm a cheerleader. I have no idea what that is.
1: It has a very young uh, Natasha Leon and Clea DeVal. Oh! It's a satirical story about a gay conversion camp.
0: Oh! <laughs> That's that's not what I expected from the title.
1: Um. Well, see, the thing is, Natasha Leone can't be gay because she's a cheerleader. So.
0: Oh yeah, I get it. Yep. So we have quite the mix. Three movies that are like extremely horny, <laughs> and the one that isn't is the straight story. Yep. But I know the Talented Miss Ripley. Oh boy, that movie is gay as hell, and <laughs> eyes wide shut. I know what it's about it's about like a sex cult so it would be weird if it isn't and then you just blew my mind with that but I'm a cheerleader (laughs) synopsis I did not Thank, thankfully you you told me that because I would sit down to watch that movie and I would be like wait a minute this isn't like bring it on
1: yeah that that happened to me the first time too I was like what am I watching
0: (laughs) this isn't this movie what are we doing here yeah. Where's Where's Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union? This is what I was expecting.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a fun movie. You'll like it.
0: Oh, I can't. I th- these four will be better than the previous four.
1: Yeah, they're already better than the previous four.
0: Yes, that and the fact that they're not full of abusers. Mm-hmm we, well, Tom Cruise is in. Well, no, Tom Cruise. Well, is he? Is
1: he? <laughs> the Scientologist won't let us know.
0: I'm like the kombucha lady where I'm like, uh, "Uh, I'm trying to figure out is maybe, I mean, do normal people jump on a couch?
1: No. Well, and also there's Stanley, Stanley Kubrick is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yep. We're going to, we'll deal with that next time when that gets brought up. I'm friggin' excited to have to watch Magnolia two more times. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to spoil the limey thing, but I think everybody can kind of get, vibe there i don't i don't have that t- i don't that's so much time
1: nine hours of my life
0: i know that i'm gonna fucking watch tom cruise's stuffed underwear
1: oh god way too stuffed
0: it was yeah otherwise or he has like the largest nuts yeah it was that scene is that not that scene is supposed to make you uncomfortable it's not supposed to be like yeah look at this guy seducing this woman
1: oh i loved it i thought he was great at it I was seduced.
0: You were seduced, hundred percent by the woman.
1: <laughs> yes, I thought she was very clever, actually.
0: By the, but with her investigative journalism, yes, and like setting this man up to then be undercut, I thought you would. I thought that was like that's like cocaine for you. You're I like, was a yes, big fan. I yes. was a big fan. Yes, <laughs> not by and not by Tom Cruise's uh, pit, pit stains and big nuts, fucking tidy whities.
1: James, where can people find you?
0: No, I want to talk about tidy whitey still. I don't. I'm not done. I'm I'm a, I'm on my soapbox.
1: At James no. Tidy Whitey on Twitter. No,
0: no, ah! <laughs> I'm. That is no. Uh, you can find me at uh James underscore Willicks on Twitter and at James Willicks on Instagram. And Carolyn, where can the tidy whitey fans find you? <laughs>
1: please know. you can find 93 <laughs> uh, on Instagram and Twitter. and I tweet exclusively about the podcast. So um, if you want to catch the next episode, just just follow me.
0: Yeah, that's that's all Carolyn does. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even really add anything to nope. it. She's just like, yo, here it is. And you can find this podcast on all streaming things services. and you can send us an email at let's watch pod p o d at Gmail dot com that the next 99 will be the four movies we discuss but the next thing on this feed will be uh, a mini pod about steve mcqueen's small axe uh mm-hmm. series and it's about the first episode mangrove
1: yep as part of our um for your consideration series um yeah do we
0: final... want to hmm? sorry go, go ahead
1: no no, no. do we want to what james
0: do we want to tell people what the other one is after mangrove
1: yes let's do it
0: uh <sighs> it's the trial of the chicago seven uh yeah
1: i haven't seen it yet so i am sure i will sigh just as heavily when i do watch the movie but yes they're both part of our for your consideration series which is an exploration of movies that uh are kind of part of the oscar circuit for this year and our opinions on if they should be or not
0: yeah spoiler alert uh a lot of them shouldn't be